Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Jesus, we are walking through the Gospel of Mark to discover the answer to the question, who is this man? Our speaker today is student minister Aaron Adams. Uh, Every year, our student ministry, we have uh, a cool opportunity that we get to help host a week-long middle school, uh, junior high week of camp. And so over the years, I've been able to form many, many uh, very memorable memories. But last year, something happened that is definitely towards the top for me of unforgettable moments. And so for us, what happens is students arrive Sunday evening, and then they go home Friday afternoon. And so Sunday has come and gone. Sunday's been great. Monday has come and gone. Monday has been great. No major issues, anything like that. Students are heading to bed. They're going back to their dorms for bed. And then what I do before I go to bed is I I walk the grounds, make sure everything's good, make sure everybody's where they need to be. Doors are locked. Lights are off kind of thing. Make sure that our family leaders, our counselors have what they need to survive another night with their middle school students. And so then I go to bed. And so I head back to uh, the cabin where the, the other youth ministers are staying. And then I just, I crash. Like during junior high week of camp, when I fall asleep, like I fall asleep. But sometime during that night, I wake up and I just hear a bang, bang, bang on the door of our cabin. And like when you've been like startled or like you've been like really asleep, like I kind of like start waking up like, is this real life? Like, is this actually happening right, happening right now? Or am I still dreaming? And as that thought is going through my head, I hear another bang, bang, bang on the front door. And so I start getting out of bed and I, I look at my phone. Nobody's called me. It's like, I didn't hear the walkie-talkie, the camp radio. We're not supposed to have bad weather tonight. So like if someone is banging on our door in the middle of the night, like something has to be wrong. So I pull myself out of bed, but without hesitation, I go to the door, groggy eyes and all, and I open the door and there standing there is a girl that I believe I've never seen before. She's barefoot in the rain. It's been like a rainy, like foggy kind of day, which is eerie, right? Sounds perfect for camp. And she's standing there and she's just, crying. And so through the, the, my, the thing going through my head in that moment is, who is she? I don't ask her that though. I'm just like, what's going on? What's, what's wrong? And she says, I've been sleepwalking and I have no idea where I'm at. And I'm like, what? Like this was like, is this another, like, is this real life kind of moment? And so then I'm like, hold on a second. So I run back into the bedroom and I wake up another one of the youth ministers. I'm like, wake up. Like there's a girl out here crying, saying she's been sleepwalking. Like I need some help. And then I was like, why have you, how did you not hear the banging on the door? But then he comes out and then I actually do ask her the question, who are you? And she's like, I'm a high school student. I was like, okay, you're not one of our middle school students. But the there was, another, there was another group. There was a high school group also at Woodland Lakes at the same time. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I've been sleepwalking. I don't know how long I've been out here. I don't know where I'm at. I'm like, okay. Um, well, do you know what cabin you've been staying in? And she's like, cabin three. And I'm like, well, it's a good thing. It's, it's just two doors down. And so we walk her to her cabin. I'm like, I want you to go in and I want you to turn around. And give me the thumbs up that this is the cabin you have been sleeping in. That these are the people that you know. 
And she walks in and she gives me that thumbs up. And I don't know, maybe she was able to go to sleep really easily after that. I'll tell you what, I did not go to sleep for what it felt like forever. Because I'm used to like kids getting out of bed, sleepwalking maybe around the room, but like sleepwalking out of their cabin to a place where they don't know where they're at anymore is strange. It's weird. And then I was like laying there and I was like, oh no, I didn't check to see if she actually had a camper bracelet. I hope she is who she actually says she is. Like those are the thoughts going through my head. But then and she was, she was, she was a camper and she really was sleepwalking. But I wake up the next morning, I was like, man, I can't wait to find the camp director and the high school leader. Like, you guys will not believe what happened last night. And so every, every night, like after that, I'm like, man, is it going to happen again? <laughs> like, I go to bed with that thought in my head, like, is, is it going to happen again? But I tell that story because I'm excited that we're starting a new series this morning. And it's going to lead us up until Easter. And it's simply titled Jesus. And in this series, we're going to walk through the Gospel of Mark, which is an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. And so my, my hope is that through this series, we really dig into the life of Jesus, the man of Jesus. And I told that story because the questions that I asked of this girl, who are you? Are you who you say you actually are? are questions that the people in the day of Jesus had. Jesus, who are you? Is Jesus who he actually says he is? And I think we still have those same questions today. Our questions might look different, but I still think we have questions about Jesus and what he means for us today. So I'm excited for this series because I, I hope that we can dig into it. My prayer is that we can dig into it and we can continue to discover who the man of Jesus is. And I, my, my prayer is that we're challenged. My prayer is that we will find something that challenges us to change the ways that we think and the way that we operate. And so this morning we're going to be in por portions of chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Mark. And up until this point, Jesus has begun gathering his first disciples. Jesus has met Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John on the Sea of Galilee. He's asked them to follow him. He said, I'm going to teach you to fish for people. And they say yes. And so Jesus has begun gathering his crew, the people that are going to watch him, that are going to listen to him, see him perform miracles, that are going to learn from this guy. And so sometimes shortly after we have this interaction in Mark chapter 1, it's going to be one of our focus texts. But one thing to note about the Gospel of Mark is it's the shortest gospel, but it has the longest miracle narrative. And so at least in the beginning portions of, of Mark, we don't necessarily, we're not clued into the exact things that Jesus is saying. We know that Jesus is teaching, but Mark doesn't focus on the things that Jesus is teaching. He focuses on the things that Jesus is doing. He's focusing on the interactions that Jesus has through his miracles. So hopefully, as we dig in this morning, We'll discover something new. So Mark chapter 1, verse 21, and you can follow along with me. It says this. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. But then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And so if you are like me, maybe you'll be in the same boat as I am. But it is easy to, to see this, to envision this setting. And knowing that Jesus is in the early days of his teaching ministry, to assume like Jesus is the new guy. It's easy to assume like Jesus is this hot shot kind of preacher. He shows up to the synagogue on the Sabbath and begins teaching. But it's simply not the truth. The truth is that not anyone can just show up to the synagogue on the Sabbath and teach. Like you had to be invited. And you're only invited if you're a respected person, a respected teacher. And so we, ha we have to know that Jesus is a respected teacher. He's essentially brought in as a guest speaker, as a guest teacher into this synagogue on the Sabbath. And it says that Jesus is teaching with authority. And this is what is so important for us to realize. This is what is so different for the people hearing Jesus teach, because he's teaching as one who has authority. Now, the religious leaders of the day, the religious teachers of the day, they were scholars. They knew their content. They have devoted much of their life to the religious law. Like, they know their stuff. But they would teach in such a way that they are, they are quoting other people. Rabbi so-and-so says this. Rabbi so-and-so said that. Yet Jesus is teaching with authority, meaning Jesus is not quoting anyone. Jesus is just truly speaking the word of God. He's speaking the truth that can only come from God. And this is what is amazing to people. This is what is so different for people. It didn't mean that they didn't have questions about Jesus because they did. It didn't mean that they didn't have curiosities about Jesus because they did. It doesn't even mean that they didn't have doubts about Jesus because they certainly did. But Jesus is teaching in a, an authoritative way that they have not seen before. And anybody at this time that had authority often abused it. And so if you're a person and you had authority, if you were able to gather a crowd, gather a following, and people followed you and you had authority, you abused it because it kept people under your heel. If you were a government at the time, and had authority, you abused it because it kept people under your heel. Yet Jesus is teaching with authority and he's not abusing that authority and people are amazed by this. They're intrigued by this. And at some point during Jesus' teaching in the synagogue on that Sabbath day, a man who is obviously possessed by a demon stands up to challenge Jesus. He questions Jesus. He calls Jesus by his name. Jesus of Nazareth, why are you here? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now this demon-possessed man's not speaking for the audience there. When he asked the question, Jesus, have you come to destroy us? He's speaking for the demons. He knows who Jesus is. He knows the mission of Jesus. He knows that Jesus has come to destroy evil and so he's saying, is now that time? Have you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are. Like that is a gulp moment because if Jesus early on in his teaching days is a guest teacher, a guest speaker at the synagogue and a man who's clearly possessed by a demon stands up to heckle you, to challenge you, that is not something that I would want to write down and say, this is what would make today great, right? But that's exactly what happens for Jesus. A man challenges him, calls him out right there. I know who you are. And Jesus doesn't get in an argument with this man, this demon. He doesn't get in, in any sort of even conversation with this demon. Jesus simply says, be quiet and come out of him. And that's exactly what happens. This demon in defiance comes out of this man with a shriek, but leaves this man nonetheless. And once again, everybody is amazed at this. They're amazed at how Jesus can teach with authority, and they're amazed that demons will even listen to Jesus. And so they begin asking that question. What is this? What kind of new teaching is this? Those questions of who really is this guy begin arising, but they're amazed. And at this point, like, the name of Jesus begins to spread quickly, like wildfire. Because maybe the religious leaders of the day, maybe they didn't have the, the power and the authority that they thought they did, but Jesus did. A demon didn't have the power that he thought he did. Jesus did. And so news about Jesus spreads quickly and rapidly to where anybody that has witnessed this or heard the teaching of Jesus wants their friends and their family, their neighbors, to be in the presence of Jesus because Jesus has the power to heal. And so that's what happens. Jesus begins healing the sick. Jesus begins healing the diseased and the disabled. Jesus continues to cast out demons. But the one thing that we have to note is Jesus was not willing to lose sight of his mission. Yes, Jesus came to teach. Yes, Jesus came to perform miracles, and he did it, and they served a purpose. But Jesus was not willing to lose sight of his mission. Verse 38 says, Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. See, Jesus, the context of that passage is Jesus has just spent an evening, a night, healing sons and daughters, moms and dads, brothers and sisters. Jesus has just spent an evening casting out demons in the town, the city, the village. It's a buzz. They're excited. Jesus is doing something that they've not seen before. Jesus is doing it in an authority that they have not yet seen before. And so they're crowding around Jesus because they want to see Jesus. They want to be around Jesus. They want themselves to be healed. They want their family members to be healed. And Jesus, the next morning, he wakes up and he heads to a solitary place, a place where he can be by himself so that he can pray. And his disciples, his followers at that point, are frantically looking for Jesus because there are people that need healed. There are demons that still need cast out. Like there are, there are crowds growing, so where is Jesus? And they find Jesus and Jesus begins to realize they're missing it. They're missing the reason why I'm here. It's not that I don't want to heal these people. I do. But I came here to preach the gospel, the good news. 
And so he says, let's go to the next village so that I can preach because that is why I have come. Once Jesus realized that people were beginning to miss it, and this is where Jesus doesn't, with his authority, doesn't abuse it. Jesus easily could have just continued to gather that crowd, continued to heal and heal and heal. But Jesus, is, Jesus came with a purpose and he wasn't willing to lose sight of that mission. And so he moves on. And so if you're like me, then you read this story because up until this point, Jesus has done a lot of healing. He's done a lot of casting out of demons. And it's not that Jesus hasn't been teaching. Certainly he has. We're just not clued into on the exact things that Jesus was teaching. So you begin to wonder, what is Jesus saying to these people? Is he simply just healing? Is he simply just performing miracles? What is the good news that Jesus came to teach? As we move into chapter two, we begin to get a glimpse of that. And so Jesus is back in Capernaum. So back in the same village, the same city where he taught in that synagogue on the Sabbath. People realize that he's back. And just like the other occasions, people are, are gathering around Jesus. They want to see Jesus. They want to hear Jesus. And so Jesus is in a home. And we get this impression that the home is bursting at the seams, like shoulder to shoulder, like people are crowded around the doors. If the home had windows, they're in the windows, like they're everywhere in this home. Some of these people are here to hear Jesus for the very first time. Some of these people are here to see Jesus for the very first time. And if you know the story, then you know there's four men and they're carrying a paralyzed man. And these, these men and this paralyzed man, they have the faith that Jesus can heal him. They have the faith that this Jesus has the authority unlike any doctor or miracle worker I've seen before. I believe that Jesus can heal this paralyzed man. And so they carry this paralyzed man to that home where Jesus is at. And upon their arrival, they notice we can't get in. We can't get in. The, the room's packed. And at this point, you would think, well, maybe you could just say, excuse me, like we have, a, we have a friend, we have a family member. We want him to be healed. We want to see Jesus heal this man. But people like, you're going to have to wait your turn. We want to see Jesus too. Like people aren't moving. And so you see the determination in these four men, these friends of this paralyzed man. They're like, we've got to get to Jesus because it, it matters that much. Who knows, maybe we won't get another shot at this. And so they head up to the roof and they begin digging through the roof. They begin ripping off the roof. You would think at some point, like at least Jesus, I mean, Jesus is going to have to leave at some point. He's going to have to go get food, like go somewhere else. But they're not willing to wait. Like we want to see Jesus right now because we believe in him that much. And so they begin ripping off the roof of this home. And envision with me that you are one of those people in this home. You are standing there shoulder to shoulder with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family, with people you don't even know so that you can see Jesus, so you can hear Jesus, so you can hopefully watch him perform a miracle. And then all of a sudden you look up and dirt and dust begin falling. Like I would, I would bet in that moment, like everybody just went silent. Like I don't know in this moment what Jesus was doing. I don't know what he was teaching, but I bet people were just like, what's about to happen? Except for maybe the homeowner who's like, this is my roof, you know? But like people are like, they're, they're like, and for some, they're probably like, here we go again. Some more people that cannot wait their turn to see Jesus. Others might have had another perspective. But they continue to rip through the roof. And then you can see sunlight. 
You can see hands. You can see people's faces. And then all of a sudden, there's a hole big enough to fit a man through, to lower a man through. And these four men lower this man into that home so he could be with Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't heal the man. Not right away. Jesus realizing that this man, along with his friends, believe in his authority. They have faith that he can heal. Simply says to the man, son, your sins are forgiven. Like if I'm one of the four friends that has just dug through the roof to lower my friend, I'm up there like, what did he just say? Did, did he just say his sins are forgiven? What about his legs? What about the rest of his body? Like, and that's what the people in the room are thinking. Like, they're like, this is different. This is intriguing. This is radical. And for some, it's straight blasphemy. Because they begin thinking, like, who can, who can forgive sins except for God? And Jesus, I'm not sure that you're him. Not yet, anyways. So you're just going to tell this man who wants to be healed by you, that you forgive his sins? And Jesus realizes this. He realizes this is what's going through the minds and in the hearts of those people. And so then he says, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so you think through this, and you're like, okay, uh, forgive sins, heal a paralyzed man. Which is easier? And for me, at least, I'd be like, well, forgive sins, because it seems like anybody can just say, I forgive you. Anybody can just say, I forgive your sins. Now, healing a paralyzed man seems pretty difficult, impossible for me. But Jesus was making the statement that it is far more difficult, yet far greater, to forgive sins than perform any miracle. Jesus is making the statement, it is more important for me to forgive this man's sins than to heal him. Like for me, I'm reading this this week, I'm like, something. Like that's something different. Because if we're honest, and if I'm talking about myself right now, like forgiveness is hard. Like when we've been cut deep by something, when I've been cut deep, when I've been really bothered by something, when I feel disrespected, Man, it is hard to forgive. It is hard for me to let go. Like there are people in my life that I have really struggled to forgive. Who I probably, actually when I really think about it, I have not forgiven yet. Like forgiveness is hard, yet it was so important for Jesus. This paralyzed man lowered into the room to see him and to be healed by him says, the first thing he says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. That's how important this is to Jesus. Like we wonder about the gospel. We wonder about the good news. We wonder about the things that Jesus was saying and teaching 
throughout his journey, throughout the early part in the Gospel of Mark, it started and it began with forgiveness. And on the other side of it, I think it's just as hard to accept forgiveness. Especially from God. Because you know the weight of the burden of your sins, of your regrets and your mistakes. You know what it feels like to be in bondage like that. The weight of those chains. And the first thing that Jesus says to this man, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. That's what Jesus wanted this man to know right away. As soon as he was, as soon as he was lowered, son, your sins are forgiven. That's what Jesus wanted the people in that room to know. Son, your sins are forgiven. That's what Jesus wants us to know. Sons, daughters, your sins are forgiven because that's what matters most. It begins right here. Before we go any further, it begins here with forgiveness for you. In that moment, Jesus was forgiving the sins of the creation that had sinned against him. That's how difficult it was for Jesus in that moment. Forgiveness was gonna be far more difficult than any miracle he would ever perform, but far greater. And he wanted us to hear it. And he wanted us to feel it. And so what, what does Jesus do? He then heals that man. Go ahead and get up. Take your mat and walk out. Jesus taught with authority, yet he didn't abuse his authority. Begins with forgiveness. And I was thinking through the one thing, as, a, as us preacher types would like to say. What's the, what's the one thing that I need to glean from this message? What is, what's the one thing that I want you to hear and that I want you to take away? And I'll be honest, man, I was struggling with it this week. I read these chapters over and over. I discussed with my good buddy, Tim Peace. <laughs> I prayed over it and I was like, man, what, it, what is it? And I think it's this. I may not have the power and the authority, but Jesus does. I may not have the strength. I may feel so weak where I just need to give up, where I need to be done. But Jesus has that strength. Like, I may not feel like I have the ability to forgive, but Jesus did and he still does. I may not feel like I can be forgiven. I may not feel like I can accept that forgiveness, but then Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now go ahead and pick up your mat and let's go. Son, your sins are forgiven. I may not feel like I have all the answers. I may not feel like I know where to go next. But Jesus does. Jesus does. Jesus taught with authority. He didn't abuse his authority. Jesus loved like no other. And if we accept the power and the authority of Jesus then it better cause us to love like no other at all costs, no exceptions. If we accept the power and the authority of Jesus that we see in scripture, then it must cause us to love like no other at all costs, no exceptions. What would it look like this week for us to pursue that? What would it look like for you individually to pursue that?
What would it look like for you to pursue forgiving that person that, man, you have struggled to forgive? Because that's what Jesus did. Because that's what Jesus saw as important. What would it look like for you to accept forgiveness from your creator? What would it look like to be able to to drop those chains? What would it look like for you to be able to say, I'm going to pick up my mat and I'm going to walk? Like, I I feel like I've just been disabled by this. I feel like I've been disabled by my sin, by my mistakes, by my regrets. But what would it look like to say, no, Jesus said, son, daughter, you are forgiven, so now I'm going to pick up my mat and I'm going to walk out because that's what Jesus is calling me to. What would that look like? What would it look like to accept the power and authority of Jesus and follow his lead and love like no other at all costs, no, no exceptions? What would that look like as a church, as us, to be able to pursue these things? Jesus said these things. Jesus taught with authority. Jesus performed miracles with a purpose, but he did not lose sight of his mission so that he could communicate to that man in that moment, son, your sins are forgiven. You are a forgiven man. I want you to stand up. I want you to walk out because you matter, because you're worthy, and because you are loved. And he's saying that same thing to you. I want you to know that you are forgiven because you matter. Because he's calling you worthy because you are loved. How amazing is that? I want to pray for you guys. And as I pray, members of our our team are going to be coming forward. And if you want to talk further about this, if you want to discover baptism, if you just want somebody uh, to listen to you, they'd love to talk. Let me pray for you. God, I love these people in this room. I love your church. I'm so thankful that you call us your sons and daughters. I'm so thankful that you will forgive your sons and daughters and that you wanted us to know that before all else. It begins there, God. God, I pray that we, we realize that you have set us free so that we can pick up our mat and leave to run closer to you, to pursue you, God. And I pray as individuals and as a church this week, we pursue you with all else. God, I pray that we love like no other, at all costs, no exceptions. We love you, Lord. Your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.